Hey, Mason. I really need a good gift for my generic loved one. Any ideas? Oh, yeah, Andrew. I have the gift they need. If you sign up for GoDaddy's Economy Blogcast Package, you'll receive 1 gig of disk space, 100 gigs of bandwidth, recording tools, and much more. Whoa, with all those features, I'd guess that kind of package will run me at least $20 a month and be plastered with ads. You're wrong, Andrew. The Blogcast Economy Package is just $4.49 a month for 12 months. That's a deal and a perfect way to get your own website, blog, or podcast started. Ooh, yeah, that is a deal. Plus... Enter code Muggle when you check out. Save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This, this is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast. Hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Yeah, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because court is now in session, this is MuggleCast, episode 142, for April 19th, 2008. All right, well, big news week in Harry Potter world this week because uh, court trial, big court trial going on. Micah, what, 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 Micah, enlighten us, please, real quick. Real quick. I don't think this is something that can take, you know, two minutes to go over, Andrew. This is going to be a whole it's show a worth trial. Um, we're going to be spending the whole show talking about this gigantic mess of a uh, lawsuit. Lots of stuff going on, and of course, we'll, we'll stay. Right, we'll see right off the bat. We're on Joe's side, right? Everyone can agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, we got a big show to get to today. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Mike Tannenbaum. And I'm Elisa Montfort. Normally, I would intro Micah for the news right here, but from here on out, we're going to no longer uh, throw it to Micah for the news. We're just going to talk about the news during... Um, Maybe every now and then we'll do a, a news update or something like that, but I think it's just better if you know I kind of say, here's what's going on, and then we all discuss it, because a lot of times it, it ends up being repetitive, doesn't it? Right. But it's, yeah. it's very repetitive. That was the fun, though. We hadn't fixed that sort of re- repetition for 140 episodes, and now you want to, Micah. I just, <laughs> yeah, well, I figured you know. I don't get it. So we're not even going to talk about uh, news this week. All we're going to talk about is the trial, and in fact, this whole show is going to be about the trial, so... Um, we're going to try to keep it to simple terms so everyone can understand and follow along with us. Because personally, I was confused before uh, this all began. But now I'm, I'm very well educated in the fair use doctrine. 
<laughs> Let's I, maybe we should talk a little bit about why we're spending a whole episode on this because I know I saw in a lot of the comments that uh, people were leaving on I don't even know how many posts we've made over the last couple of days about the trial, but people seem to think, some of them, that this really has nothing to do with the books or the movies or anything like that. And I just wanted to make the point that without J.K. Rowling and her creation, we wouldn't have the books to enjoy or the movies. So this has a huge impact on really how all of this proceeds in the next couple of years because I have a feeling that the decision that is made in this trial could have a very, very big impact on how things go from here on out. Oh, well. And some people wonder, oh, well, this isn't a big deal. Why are you guys talking about this? It's not going to affect the fandom. It will. It's a very big, important... It's a very important part of the fandom. And, in fact, if if RDR was to win the publisher publishing the Harry Potter lexicon... Uh, you can say bye to things like Harry Potter fan fiction. Um, I, I per- well, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do we know this for sure? Well, we I don't mean, know for sure. Kind of what Jay. Well, then don't make those stupid predictions, man. Well, they're 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 <laughs> bye edu- to they're educated fiction. predictions Dude. because fair use uh, galleries would start falling apart. A lot of things would be affected yeah. if Is it because loses. Joe would go on some kind of crazy ass rampage and get rid of this stuff or what this is the same movie company that a few years ago was filing lawsuits to fan sites run by teenagers and then they pulled back from that but they had given it a thought and then they realized oh there's no harm here but now all of a sudden yeah and there are plenty of authors who have forbidden fan fiction to be written written about their work so i don't think it's unreasonable to think that that's a possibility i hope it wouldn't come to that but we can't exactly rule it out so we're gonna get into a whole discussion here um we're gonna start micah wrote up a very nice discussion for all of us and we're gonna get into it um like i said i just want to make a quick disclaimer saying that we will well most of us i think will be having a natural bias towards jk rowling and warner brothers not just because we think she's right but because we support jk rowling and warner brothers and don't want to turn against two big figures who have always supported us for the most part except for the (laughs) t-shirts (laughs) <laughs> the key players in this uh, huge court trial um, that has taken place over the last four days, obviously everybody knows about J.K. Rowling and Steve Vanderark. But um, so well, wait a second, uh, wait. This is all your. You, you don't have any fanfare or anything. This is the best you can do. What do you mean fanfare? Well, I mean like this is a big. You just said yourself, it's a big. Comp- it's this is a big trial. You, and the co-plaintiff is yeah. You J. don't you don't K. have anything prepared Rowling. like that. Oh, you want me to do it like that? Well, we're not all like you, Andrew. We don't have those the JK Rowling. Wait, hold on, wait. Co-plaintiff. Wait, hold on, wait. I think I could set this up properly. Hold on one second. Okay, okay. Oh, God. In this corner, coming in at five foot five in an undisclosed amount of weight, JK Rowling. And in this corner, looking not a day over 12 years old, breaking down at the podium, Steven Vanderark. Alright, that's much better. Now we have the whole thing set up and people realize how big this trial actually is. So go ahead, Mike, continue. That's really going to be the only uh, fun we poke at this whole thing, right? (laughs) Um, Almost, Mike. Maybe. Alright. 
I don't even know how to continue after that. <laughs> that, that was just amazing. Um, I agree. Thank you. But just, I guess, to make people familiar with some of the other names that are probably going to come up while we're talking about this over you know the next hour or so, but uh, David Hammer, who is the lead attorney for RDR Books, who is the defendant in this case, obviously. Uh, Roger Rappaport, he's the owner of RDR Books. Uh, Dale Sendali, she's the attorney representing Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling. And Robert Patterson, who is wait, the uh, presiding wait, Micah, judge Micah, in the Micah, case. Did, did you say Robert Pattinson? No, Robert Patterson. Oh, oh. So it's not Robert Pattinson, the you know, no. Cedric Diggory actor. No. Okay, because I was no. confused. I, I thought a few people in the comments were a little confused there too. No, he is the presiding judge uh, in this case. So I thought, you know, if, if anybody out there had a, wanted to kind of give a little bit of background on this case and how this whole thing started, I know there are a few people who are a little bit more knowledgeable than me on that. And then we could get into kind of what everyone's position is on the issue. Basically, um, there was actually a lawsuit filed, I believe it was October 31st last year, against Steve Vander Ark, uh, actually um, – RDR Books, the publisher, um, who were planning and intending to publish a book version of uh, Steve Vanderark's Harry Potter Lexicon website, which uh, up until that point had been frequented um, by many, it, it still may be, but including JKR herself. There were numerous occasions it won a fan site award from Joe, and it was it's basically a, a, a facts site and a really helpful uh, compendium, I would say, kind of like an encyclopedia, but not exactly like an encyclopedia, a fact which will become relevant later in the in the discussion today, but basically, it's a it it's a good way it's a good way to um to find uh, quick facts and everything that's ever happened uh, that that Steve and uh, his associates over at the Harry Potter Lexicon have done. And RDR Books is his publisher. They they were now looking at taking the website and putting it out as a book, and that that's like the key issue here with JKR's suit because um. Although she supported the uh, lexicon in their uh, web endeavors, uh, printing and publishing this book and making profit off of it stirs up a heck of a lot of controversy. And uh, what we're looking at now is to find out exactly if if it's legal to be doing this sort of thing. Um, but basically speaking, there were there were basically issues since day one between Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling. Um, Micah and everyone mentioned that this court case is really, really big, spectacular, evil. But um, as a matter of fact, it's actually, I mean, since the beginning there were kind of uh, iffy relations between RDR and Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers uh, had sent a few inquiries trying to see if they could get a copy of the book before it was published, and RDR basically rebuffed all of their claims, uh, even made a, a exactly. bunch of low-handed insults that I was surprised we about. We discussed this on the show, too, yeah. Yeah, RDR has not been uh, the most intelligent, I must admit, uh, in, in, in sort of the things leading up to this case. But uh, so they went to court, and uh, it was a three-day-long trial during which we heard testimony from everyone, and it has ended now, but the judge is still deliberating. An amazing thing about this, and we'll get into this, but the amazing thing about this is the judge is even urging them to settle. There is yeah. no, he, yeah. he can't even make up his mind. He even suggested it could go to the Supreme Court, and I just cannot, I couldn't believe it, because all of us, 
well, a lot of people in the fandom were like, okay, RDR has no shot in hell. There's no way this could, this could turn around. But it was a combination of the fair use doctrine. And frankly, I thought J.K. Rowling's lawyers, between J.K. Rowling and Warner Brothers, sucked. For someone, for the top movie franchise company of all time, making billions off Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling making hundreds of millions off of Harry Potter, they hire these lawyers that the judge is getting upset at. Now, okay, so Andrew, by saying that, are you saying that the points the lawyers made weren't that great? That they they couldn't accurately show how Steve was actually violating the fair use doctrine, or or that they, they didn't couldn't? Cut- they didn't c- come up with enough original ways to show it. And if you read the reports, you'll see that uh, J.K. Rowling's lawyers would just repeatedly they they just kept emphasizing that um, there was nothing creative in it. It was just. It was moving the furniture, they kept saying. There was nothing yeah, creative they, or unique about it. But, yeah, and, but the, the, and that was their only argument. And really. there is four parts to the fair use doctrine. Right, which There's we'll get four to later. Separate parts. Right. Yeah, and, and part of what Andrew was trying to say, though, is if you look at the, the testimony from J.K. Rowling that was given yesterday, um, the issue that came up from the judge um, was that he was unimpressed. He he referred to it as not helpful testimony because it draws conclusions without specifics. He said, I can't simply take the expert's opinion as my own. So I apologize. It wasn't in reference to J.K. Rowling. It was in reference to one of the experts that they had called. Um, I believe she was from Oxford. And um, she was trying to make uh, some comparisons. And he was saying, look, this situation is so vague. The law is so vague here that even for him, it's going to be a tough decision to make. And that's why he was urging this settlement on. And let's also make you know, the point of saying that this case was su- tried to be settled out of court initially between Rowling and Steve Vanderark. And I know there was, you know, uh, I don't know what you was. There Are you was sure course- it was supposed to be between Steve and uh, Joe? Because well, I thought it was because was- Warner Brothers and the publishers initially the suit doesn't even name steve itself the suit is against rdr books the point was that jk rowling i believe try or people on her side try to talk with steve to make sure that to, to ensure that this book did not go to print in the first place there there were attempts on her side to try and reconcile this in a way that would not eventually result in a lawsuit so um Elisa, let's start with you. What, what's what's your view on this whole situation? Well, I think it's important to remember that we're not talking about an author who has been exceptionally strict with her creation. I mean, as you know, head moderator for the fan fiction site, I'm frankly, um, you know, surprised and scared as well. <laughs> yes, Aww. yes, frightened. Um, but no, I mean, some of the things that I've seen um, and. Some of the things I've seen in fan fiction and for her to allow that openly and to accept, you know, other people and meddling with her work, I think it's important to remember that. I mean, I think it's, she's been pretty phenomenal about the whole thing. And again, like Laura and Micah were just pointing out, she did make a, an attempt to stop this from going to the courts at all. So, I mean, I think she's clearly proven that she's a fair-minded person and that in conjunction with the fact that it is indeed her work and that, in my opinion, um, Steve Vander arc would be taking quite a bit of it to be doing an encyclopedia. I think she has a really strong case. Laura? Well, I 
You know, I'm pretty much going to be echoing what Elisa just said because she described it perfectly. I think that Joe has been so open with allowing the fans to be creative with her work. I mean, you're looking, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you're looking at, for instance, the Muggle Net book, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, a lot of the reasons that you see a lot of other companion books out there that haven't been contested is because they add original commentary to the, you know, the piece that they're publishing. Whereas the encyclopedia, I don't think she would be making such a big deal out of it if it did add original commentary. And it, frankly, it's her creative work. So I think she has every right to question what's being done with it. She said it herself. She said she's had no problem with other companion books. Eric, your opinion? Um, my opinion, there are certain things in the Harry Potter lexicon. If you want to go and look at the website, there are certain things. It, it, it's a bit interesting because, uh, for instance, there's a uh, floor plan of the Dursley's house. You know, things like that that Steve has taken and sort of created based on Joe's word for it. Now, and based on what he's found in the books, he's really done some unique things with the books that I think are, are helpful, but also his own. There are some things that he has done that I would actually say are his own content that he you know, should have the right to sell in a way. But as far as certain things go with uh, the characters, I think Warner Brothers is more of a case against those sort of things, com- compending information and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, personally, and, and this was my initial reaction to it all, was that um, there's a question in the court now if this trumps Joe's uh, encyclopedia, which she had expressed interest in doing. And I think certain things that are going to be in this lexicon book, if it's published, are certain things that Joe might not even have touched um you know certain i mean we would go to joe for not floor plans we go to joe to find out what happens next for the to, to learn about the parameters of the magical world and and you know all the the um family trees of all the characters things like that that that, that joe alone can create but what steve has done i i, I just think I'm more in favor of a trimming of the book than I am of a banning of the book. I think there are certain things that are certainly beneficial, and looking closer and closer at free speech and the four categories and all that stuff, I I think there actually is something to this case that would make it so hard for the judge to decide, not just the law being so vague. I I think there are certain things that are Steve's, and it's really interesting. I think the... um the idea of uh, trimming it is an interesting point. However, it's important to remember that this Harry Potter lexicon book is not a complete uh, clone of the online website. There, there are not Dursley floor plans. It's rather th- this encyclopedia is just an index of creatures, spells, things like that. It, it's it's not an exact clone, and that's where the problem is. And I had that exact thought, Eric. I thought, well, what if he just went back and rewrote it and and did. Um, publish stuff that was entirely unique. But the problem is, the reason he didn't do that, at least this is my theory, is that they were trying to rush this out for the holiday season. Mm. So therefore, um, you're looking at a book that, well, what what can we get printed inside a book first? Oh, I know, definitions that are that are already that we already have here. Hold on one second. Copy, paste, book done. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, and the other thing, and, and, and let's let's ask this question. What do you guys think? Do you think that uh, RDR Books has put Steve in this position, and that Warner Brothers has put Joe in this position potentially? Because I mean, Warner, I mean, RDR basically opened all fight with with WB. They insulted their intelligence. Warner Brothers was asking for a copy of the book, and uh, RDR said something along the lines of, "If you can't read what's on the website, get one of your people to do it for." you 
and which would which would allow them to believe that uh, what was in the book was an exact copy of, of of the site, which is you know interesting as well that you say well it's not an exact clone, it's kind of an index. So uh, even more of Steve's stuff that he did spend his life creating. You know, Steve is a I would say a, a cornerstone of the fandom. To be perfectly honest, if anybody's seen his uh, his um, sorry lectures and things that he gives at uh, the conferences and stuff, he is a very powerful speaker, and he has devoted his life to this. So I, I think that weighs in somewhere. I think that weighs in somewhere, and and it's really interesting because everyone was crying. And and that's kind of what upset the judge too, because everyone was crying. Joe's talking about how she put her children aside for the books. I personally feel that she put the books aside for her children, and that was the right. I think she did the right thing, but I feel that it's the opposite of what she's saying. But all the same, everyone's crying, and there's not a lot of whole you know testimony that that really affects the fair use thing. All right, Mikey, your thoughts? Yeah, but, yeah I mean, before we get on to you know what Eric was saying about did, did RDR put this him in this position, but. What I was going to say is, you know, you can talk about how devoted he has been, but there are plenty of other people out there who are devoted to this series, who have spent a lot of their time on it, and they're not in the same position. And um, you, know, Eric, you were talking before about how you know maybe we would get some things in the cyclo- encyclopedia that we wouldn't necessarily get in what J.K. Rowling makes down the line. I don't know how you can necessarily say that as of right now, but also the books, those are the things that you go to to find out. I understand people want references. People want to be able to go and get these things very easily. Okay, I want to go to a book. I want to open it up. I want to see, okay, this spell, this character, what have you. But the fact of the matter is that has all been defined in the original books. And to say that Steve Vanderark has you know, sort of devoted his life to this. J.K. Rowling has devoted her life to this. She was the one who came up with this. She's the one who has the rights to all this, in my opinion. And, you know, the idea of trimming the book, you're not going to necessarily be able to sell a book full of floor plans. That's just not going to happen. And it would be similar, in my opinion, to me, okay, I'm going to take all the transcripts that myself and the other transcribers have done from MuggleCast, throw them into a book, and try Don't and sell them. It's just, Don't you dare. It, it would be... <laughs> I'm getting my lawyer on the phone before this. And then what Elisa said about fan fiction, you know, I think Joe has been extremely liberal in her, you know, her stance in terms of what she has allowed. And the problem is with Steve Vanderark, I think he's taking that liberty a little bit too far. He's exploiting the opportunity that Joe has presented all the fans with in terms of being able, you know, to sort of take the series in the direction that they've wanted to take it in and enjoy it the way that they have. And I think you set a bad precedent if you're going to decide in the favor of Steve Vanderark for that very reason. Yeah. And I think that, and one of the original qualms that Joe brought up from the beginning was that she's writing this encyclopedia to benefit charity. And the lexicon is originally available for free online for people and she doesn't mind that but the fact that it's going to be put into a print version and be sold for profit is a problem especially considering she's really really hoping to use those profits to benefit charities and i think she takes real issue with the idea of her fan of fans of hers rushing out and spending their money on books for something they could get for free elsewhere and what annoys me is when people are calling joe like on, on our site they're calling her greedy 
Oh, she's just doing this for more money, and she's telling Steve no, so she can get she can make more money of it out of it. How can you say that when she even said in her testimony that this is clearly not about money? She was like, "Everyone knows that I have enough money." I mean, okay, <laughs> sure, she could be lying, but come on, it's J.K. Rowling. Who would want more money? Not just that, but she also said that a portion of the encyclopedia would go to charity. Yeah, well, I think all of it. Yeah. Well, I don't think it was all of it. I think I think it actually. She's saying now that it's all of it. Is she saying that? Are you sure? It was. I I read it written. Yeah, I think it's all I'm the profit. Certain. Um, no, yeah. but okay. I mean, I like what you pointed out, Andrew, which is that there are certain people. I mean, basically, there's a lot of ignorance in this case, and I, you know, I mean, at least on the comments pages, there are people who will say, "Oh, JKR is greedy," or there's people who will say, you know, "Oh, you know, Steve's trying to make a quick buck," that sort of thing. There's a uh, there's a Facebook group, for example, that says, you know, I'm I support Joe Rowling no matter what, and that's great until JKR takes up, you know. Serial killing, but what I'm <laughs> but what I'm saying what is I'm saying. that there are people on either sides that will be, uh, you know, completely. Uh, they, they they won't read the facts. What we're trying to do is having an intelligent discussion with this MuggleCast that that really looks into fair use and all that stuff. I, I mean, just supporting one side dully and and blamely is is always wrong. It's just my opinion, but I really think you know I really I'm I'm impressed by what we're doing so far and what we're gonna do on this show because you know there there are there are people that you know seriously I uh, should have their own opinions you know and I I think it's a bit difficult because this is an author of a book series that we all owe everything to. Uh, more or less, you know, we owe the last 145 episodes, that, that, you know, all that stuff, and all of our feelings to Joe Rowling. So the the fact that she's in court crying really, really makes us. It, it gives the the whole fans. It's really hard to support Steve Vanderark at a time like this. It's really hard to do anything. I mean, we we don't want to piss off Warner Brothers, you know. And and there's there's just so many other things that fans are so attached to J.K. Rowling when when really, as the judge is saying, the judge is telling everyone that that it has no relevance to whether or not Steve is actually breaking the law here. That's what he's saying, that, that it's too emotional. Well, I think it's yeah, also but- important to to look at, though, why it got to this point. And I mean, we'll, we'll obviously talk about that, but you also have to factor that in, that unfortunately, via RDR Books, Steve created the situation. And it's a very unfortunate situation, but he created the situation. And it's very, very difficult for any fan of the series to sit here and to side with him when he essentially made his bed and now has to lie in it. I'm going to agree with you on that. I think they should have been in better contact from the start. I thought I think RDR Books is completely wrong in what they did when WB initially... I completely agree with you on that side of it as well. But the greedy comment, though, I mean... There's a difference between not, I don't know, with the whole idea that, you know, this is who J.K. Rowling is, she just wants money, that's absolutely ridiculous because if that's all she cared about, she would have shut down all of our fan sites a long time ago and she would have made sure nothing was published as far as, you know, um, companion books in the sense of MuggleNet, in the sense of many other things that have been written you know, since and let's like, say this right now. Yep. Um, MuggleNets, uh, for a time, was planning on writing an encyclopedia. And sure enough, there came a letter from Joe's lawyer saying, take it down, get rid of it right now. And we obliged. <laughs> because how, how could anyone get a letter from J.K. Rowling and Warner Brothers, their lawyers, 
and be like, oh, I'm going to continue with this anyway, knowing how much money they have. I think they feel – I think RDR Books felt picked on. I think – I mean Warner Brothers, guys, to be honest, they shut us – they shut our shirts down because they said muggle on them. We obliged, yes, but come on, guys. Seriously? That's a little – I mean that's like – we are their main supporters. We are the main support. We are the people that all the fans go to, us, Leaky, and HPN. Selling shirts that say muggle doesn't really have much to compare to someone selling a book that well, is Well, it might or might not, but what I'm saying is WB snatched both of us for it. I mean I guess I, I'm trying to see what RDR Books is thinking, and I'm just thinking that, well, maybe they – not like I said, nothing justifies what RDR did to Warner Brothers in my strong opinion. What they did initially – they basically said, screw off, and that's what caused this big mess. I agree with that completely. But I'd like to think also that, I mean, like you're saying, Andrew and Micah, this is pennies in JKR's pocket. It really, she's she can't be in it for the money. But the same goes for Warner Brothers, too. They, you know, this is, the money that the book will make is nothing in comparison. Well, she's, not, she's not in it for the money simply because she wouldn't be making any money off of an encyclopedia to begin with. So, you know, I just want to clear that point up. You know, if she's doing it all for charity, the Scottish book that comes out whenever it comes out would all be going to charity. So she's not making any money off of it. There's no, you know, financial tie to to this for her at all whatsoever. Let's talk about some quotes that uh, J.K. Rowling and uh, Van der Ark have both uh, said over these past few days. Um, I guess we'll just go through the list and then react to them afterwards. First one, from, first one from J.K. Rowling. The idea of my readership parting with their or their parents' hard-earned cash for this is a travesty. And this is where a lot of the greedy comments came from, because a lot of people made the comparison, well, they parted with their money for the series, so what's wrong with parting with their money for a book that would essentially detail out the series? Um, You know, what are your thoughts on that? I think this, this quote was the one thing that was a little harsh, because... I can't see it being a travesty because a child wants a book and the parents are going to buy the book to make him happy. So, I don't know what to think about that one. I don't think it was so much about, you know, parting with their money as it mu- as much as it was. What are they parting? Like, why are they parting with it? I mean, there's a big difference between buying a piece of literature and you know, you know variable X or whatever it might be. And I think she's just saying that she doesn't feel like it's worth it because. I mean, one of the other quotes that you're going to get ready to read pretty soon is that it's sloppy, lazy, and takes my work wholesale. I think those two, you know, sort of work in conjunction to each other. She's saying that the reason why it's not worth their parents' hard-earned money or their hard-earned money is because it's sloppy and it's lazy. And I don't think – I think that to characterize that as being greedy in any way, shape, or form is just a mischaracterization. I mean, she's proven herself with her actions in the past. And frankly, I think this is all about the principle of it. This is about the principle of her work, of her lifelong work, being used for someone else's profit, or even if it wasn't for profit, just being used at all. It's her work. It's something that she created. And I think anyone who's claiming that it's greed just don't understand principles and probably aren't principled themselves. Yeah, you know, Elisa, you and I have been friends for far too long because we have this mind connection and we think exactly <laughs> the same thing. I'm sorry. That's, I mean, it's essentially what I was going to say as well. I think that she's looking at this and she brought it up several points during the trial that there are inaccuracies in this book. There are, when she was talking about, I think, the Aloha Mora spell, where... Th- 
he got he got the root of it wrong or something like that and she doesn't like this idea of people not only going out and spending money that's not going to charity but they're spending money on something that's not correct right that's that's a huge thing for me too is that only the original concepts the original ideas what joe you know what she meant when she created the spell only that can come from her you know when she created a character why she created him and why he did this or why she did that that can only come from joe and i agree with what elisa was saying because you know they're taking their money and they're essentially paying for something that for the most part joe has already put into her books. So why do they need to go out there and spend many money on something? And then you brought up the inaccuracies, Laura, the fact that there's things in there that don't coincide with what's in the books and maybe what's within Joe's mind when she would go back and, you know, do something like this herself. So it's just really, it, it travesty maybe is not the best word, but certainly you know, when you look at the fact that she called the work itself sloppy and lazy, it's just, you don't want to think about people going out and spending their hard-earned money on that kind of well, stuff. The question is, too, though, nobody has to go out and spend their money on this. It's really a question of if anyone would, you know, it's it's a question of can they, can they spend their money? Harry Potter will sell. The name itself will sell no matter what. It's called the Harry Potter Lexicon. It will sell. And There's the no question about it. Subtitle is like the most comprehensive thing inside the Harry Potter. It's 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 a very and um, maybe for people who don't know that Joe was going to come out with something down the line, or maybe there are people out there who think that this was done in conjunction with her. You know, there are plenty of people out there who like the series who aren't as knowledgeable of the situation and what's going on who may just decide to go out and buy the book because they think, Oh, this was the, you know, so-called encyclopedia that they were talking about Joe writing. And, you know, they, that's what they think, you know, you don't know. But the fact of the matter is the name itself will sell. There's no question about that. Borders and and Go ahead, Lauren. I was going to say, we all know very well how popular the fan sites are. And the second you put a book out there that has a fan site's name on it, it will sell. There's no doubt about it. Uh-huh. Um, Borders and Barnes & Noble did not have very impressive first runs of this book. Um, reportedly, I can't remember that, um, which had which, but um, one bookstore had about 1,200 copies, and one had about 1,500 copies. Wait, of the lexicon? Of the lexicon, yeah. What? So it wasn't that big of... Um, a run for them initially. Now, if they're sold out imme- immediately, of course, they'd be getting more copies in, in, a, in a flash, and other stores would pick it up, too. And to be honest, the publicity that it's going to get, or it has already gotten from this trial, is going to spike sales regardless. Oh, I, I will be purchasing this book if it goes on sale. Who, who else will purchase this book? Me, too, but not because we're mindless drones and it says, ooh, Harry Potter on it. Right. I'll be purchasing out because it seems... Like a book form or something that's helpful. I, no, I don't think so. No, I, would I wouldn't buy it. Buy it. No. no, see, I would buy it because, like, I, I want to be part of the, the the action. Like, I want to say I bought it. Why don't you have him sign a copy and just send it to you? I, I Facebook friended him the other day. I hope he approves my request. But anyway, let's talk about two other. Not parts. after this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looking, not looking a day over twelve. Um, 
highlights two other quotes we should talk about, the other ones we've sort of been through already. This trial has decimated my creative work over the last month. You lose the plot threads and worry whether you'll be able to pick them up again. Is what she it, threatening? What? It, yeah. Well, let's read the other one because it sort of goes hand in hand with us. Should my fans be flooded with a surfeit? Is that how you pronounce that? Yep. Of substandard books, so-called lexicons, I'm not sure I'd have the will or heart to continue. And this is the quote to me that could have the biggest impact. Very threatening. And I almost feel like she said this to get everyone on her side. She did. She did. This is this is tough. This is almost like a threat. It's not because she said it while crying, but I really think I mean it's it's honest. I mean, this case is very personal to JK Rowling and she is saying that she might not she'll be completely disenchanted if if Steve's book is allowed to to continue. But this isn't about who hates Steve and who hates JKR. It's about the law is what uh Robert Patterson judge is 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 trying to figure out if it breaks the law. Well, the other quote that's tied into that that we have on there uh, is about the negative impact on the freedoms enjoyed by genuine fans on the internet because I think that you know this this all falls in line together because it, and you mentioned this before Andrew if RDR were to win this case the the sort of you know windfall that would have on the internet would be massive uh Micah, did, did this does this come from uh WB's uh statement did you did you quote from the, from their statement that they These had? were all quotes that were pulled from uh the Wall Street Journal blog that the Actually, we should give them a lot of credit because they uh, did a great job covering this over the last well, three days. F- they f- um, they, yeah, they did. They did really. They spent a few chapters uh, – sorry, a few paragraphs talking about how Steve compared to Harry Potter. Um, but, you know, uh, after they got over that, they did a really good job. But, I mean, just looking at those three quotes, I mean, it, it sounds like this could have a really negative impact for all of us moving forward just because of the 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 kind of way it would affect the fandom don't you agree i mean what's tr- yeah yeah what strikes me is the uh the term surfeit of substandard books because if this were allowed to come through i mean jkr seems to think that a lot of other people would be purchased or would be uh sort of writing these kind of you know like she said substandard books books that aren't the one that she would write and aren't nearly as uh, creative or innovative as I'm sure Steve's uh, might be. Lauren and Lisa, what do you girls think about this? Uh, you know, I just have to say that, like Eric was saying, if this goes through, just think about all the other types of books that can be published on this. And then you're no longer looking at the ability Joe has had to have close relationships with the makers of the fan sites. I mean, you look at the fan site of the month award that she does, and there's no telling whether she'll want to do that anymore because she could actually be afraid that by endorsing sites in the future that she could be opening herself up to this same kind of situation. And I hate thinking that she might have to feel that way because I don't want her to have to feel that way. Because as somebody who works on a fan site, I feel extremely devoted to her work. But at the same time, I couldn't criticize her for for that because this is something that has been so close to her heart. She said it saved her life and the fact that anybody would want to manipulate that really speaks volumes about their principles, which is what, you know, everyone's been saying this whole time. Right. And she said also she put aside her children for how many years to write these books and exactly what you said, it's it's just the principles where are they for somebody? 
like that. The fansite awards were brought up in the trial, and uh, Joe even said she regrets it bitterly. Regrets giving the Harry Potter lexicon one bitterly. That's a shame, you know, because Steve and Joe, Steve and Joe were such good friends. You know, Steve's collaborated on most of the video games. You know, he was a really prominent member, and then this thing kind of really toured a lot of people up. Uh, tore, tore up that friendship too. And um, just to mention uh, another fan site, uh, the Leaky Cauldron, they've lost all uh, <laughs> their um, friendliness with Steve too. And uh, we we could write, we could write. Let's. I got an idea. Let's write a whole book on this trial. A, a book about the trial, about the... The Harry Potter lexicon. Trial, I'm going to call it. Um, let's talk about some things that Vanderark said. Um, quoting the Wall Street Journal here. But the most telling part of Vanderark's testimony came at the end of Hammer's direct examination. Asked whether he still considered himself a part of the Harry Potter fan community. Those that, in Vanderark's words, devote most of their free time to all things Potter. He choked up and said... I did, but then when pressed on it, he changed his answer. I do. He said, breaking up. That's a very, um, it's a very, like, movie-like. I did. I do. It's like, I don't know. No, that's got Lifetime written all over it. <laughs> yes, exactly, Lifetime. And movie. I mean, I, I don't think that we should be out to ridicule anyone on oh, either no. side of no, this I'm case. No, I'm not trying to. Thanks, Oh, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying at all. And I think we've seen a lot of this type of commentary from several newspapers who, you know, have said very unflattering things about Steve. And I don't really think it's the way to be going about this case. I think we just need to look at it for what it is. And that this is Joe's right as an author. And Steve knew the situation he was getting himself into. And he's an adult and he should have to deal with it. But I think that's as far as it needs to go. Yeah, I don't think it's necessary, the ridicule that's taken place. But at the same time, you have to realize, if you're going to put yourself in that position... Oh, it's going to happen. We'll talk about getting put in that position. You have to be ready for it. And look, I'm not saying that this trial has been extremely emotional, clearly, on both sides. And for him, who's somebody who is such a devoted fan, I feel that in this case, in particular, probably... If you were to talk to him about it, he doesn't want to be in this situation. And he's forcefully in this situation, probably because of RDR books. But it's just, I don't know. I just, I've, I want to feel bad for the guy, but yeah, I can't. Exactly. That's how I feel too, because it's, it's not even like he's someone who is inexperienced with this type of thing. He's been working in the Harry Potter fandom. Like we said, he's collaborated with Warner Brothers several times before. I just don't see how he couldn't have seen something like this coming. He's a librarian. He's worked with books his entire life. He knows the yeah. whole idea of copyright. Wait, you, you guys mi- mean- are missing something. He he said in this trial that, um, well, for one, RDR pressured him into it, which, okay, I can see a book company doing that. But also... Steve had a clause in his contract specifically stating that if there was a lawsuit brought on to him, that RDR would cover his ass. So, yeah. he knew he had a feeling something like this would happen. Exactly, And uh, he is quoted, I believe I read, uh, well, in in one of the uh, t- trials that uh, somebody had brought up something he had said uh, a while ago on the website about ever putting the lexicon into book. And he said, no, I that's, that would be illegal. <laughs> Which is ironic. but uh, And uh, not just that, but also, in the past, he has said that he's read numerous copyright books. He read them all the time, apparently, because he was a librarian and he educated students on properly sourcing your material. And in the trial, 
he said he's he has never read a copyright book, despite the fact there is some evidence saying that he had. Okay. So it's just silly, and the way he responds to. I mean, obviously he's in court and his lawyers told him what to do, but he was giving these very vague responses like, not to my knowledge, not that I'm aware of, um, stuff like that, that, you know, it, it was it was just beating around the bush. It's where he knows it's true, but to cover you know, this, his ass, he's just saying, it's not, is, uh, it's not to my knowledge, etc. This whole thing is an emotional circus. It really is. It's an emotional Barnum and Bailey circuit. Everyone's crying. The judge is saying, I need to find out what's actually legal. So can we move on and talk about if it actually breaks fair use? Yeah. Um, is there anything else? I mean, hold on. As I want to play one more. Steve I, is concerned. I want to play one quote from Steve, and I think this is worth uh, bringing up. This was uh, an AP article, well, AP video, I believe. Um, and I took the time to edit this, so damn straight we're going to play it. Here it is. The, the excitement is the same now as it was then. I mean, it's a wonderful, exciting world that she's created, and uh, it's, it's been a delight to be part of it and to um, enjoy that, and I hope I still can. No, Stephen! No! <laughs> no, Stephen what? Did you hear what he said? He said he's happy to be a part of it, and he hopes, and he, he, hopes still he still can. But this is the thing. Will the fans accept him after this trial? is over whether he wins or loses i think no what do you guys think i think that there are a lot of people who aren't going to accept him and it's really difficult it's really a lot along the lines of what micah was saying earlier like you want to feel bad for him just know like knowing the perspective of a fan but at the same time you can't because you're looking at the situation and it's like how could you not have seen this coming how could you not have known and you look at the facts and you realize that he did know he did have an inkling about this so i don't know if he's going to get very much sympathy and andrew i forgot about the clause and so me trying to somewhat defend him in the face of RDR books pressuring him, which I'm, I'm sure that they still did in a lot of respects, but if he was aware of this clause, he's a librarian. He knows about copyright infringement. You mentioned the quote about him never publishing the site because it would be illegal, yet he still went forward with this and tried to go after Rowling and create this book. Why? Why are you doing that? And yet you're surprised that you're sitting in this situation how can you possibly want to side with somebody like that? It's just he knew what was going to happen, and yet he went through with it anyway, and then he sits on the stand and you know gets very emotional about it. But is that real, or is it all just an act? Because he knew you know, how many ever months ago that he would be in this situation eventually. And why put Joe through that? You know, that's my other point. Why put her through that? You supposedly love her books. You've devoted your life to her. You're going to put her through that? The, the, the emotional strain of having to fly across the Atlantic, having to go to court in New York City over something as stupid as this? Well, Micah, the other thing then, I mean, I understand exactly what you're saying. I sympathize 100% with JKR. I really do. If this were just Warner Brothers, though, and not JKR doing this, if it were Warner Brothers battling RDR books, um, <sighs> And, and, and having the emotional thing. Would it follow that any time Warner Brothers says something, you can't contest it, you can't like, – like what exactly is going to happen if Steve loses is, is kind of a question I want to ask. 
I mean, if Steve loses, is everything bright as daisies and everyone goes back to what they were doing? No, it, there's still going to be certain problems, I think, because of it. And so we should weigh those up. It's a slippery too, slope. I mean. If Steve loses and the power remains in the hands of uh, primarily J.K. Rowling, and I mean, for the past several years, that's worked for us. That's worked for MuggleNet and for Leaky and for everyone else. The only one that hasn't worked for so far is RDR and Steve Vanderark. So I don't think it would be setting any new precedents. I think it would go back to how it was before this trial. But the fact of the matter is, I don't understand why he is not content with the side itself. It seems like in this instance, he's the greedy one. He wants to make a quick buck off of this. And look, we all put time and effort into our respective sites. But I can speak as somebody sitting here right now that I have never made a dollar off yeah, MuggleNet. I can say that too. <laughs> so, I can definitely say that. So we're all poor, and if you want to endorse us, we'll support you. (laughs) (laughs) But the question goes back – it goes back to why do this then? Why – if you care so much about J.K. Rowling, if you've devoted the last eight or nine years of your life to her, why put her through this emotional stress? I wish somebody would ask him that. Yeah, and what I I don't even get with the money is – it's really no secret that the fan sites do generate some amount of revenue and no one has ever really made a big deal about that before except Warner Brothers once in the past but they dropped it and so and didn't didn't Steve talk about how he's made something like six thousand dollars off uh, Alexa? You know the thing about that though. The thing about that is he's put that right back into Harry Potter. Oh, uh, oh, and he, I'm not no, but denying he really, that. Really, I mean, truly has. I mean, even more than we have. We do it going to events and doing podcasts. He's done it. I mean, his whole trip to to Scotland, I think it was. He went like searching for the reality of Hogwarts. Did this wonderful presentation at Prophecy, and had everyone in tears by the end of it. I mean, he is he's really seriously devoted into the. And I'm not going to go back into how he put his life into it because I know JKR put even longer amounts of her life into it for sure. But he, you know, the money he makes off the site, and so it's far, her creation. That's the thing. It's her okay. creation, though. It's not right. his. Okay, that's my point. Um, it's also worth noting that um, the Harry Potter lexicon has always been hosted by Leaky. It's always Leaky has always been paying for their web space until now. Of course, they're transferring the rights over, and Steve is going to start paying for it. Yeah. Um, so with that said, should we start talking about the fair use doctrine now? Sure. Um, so the fair use doctrine is basically what this whole thing is riding on. This is what the whole case is about. So we're going to break it down for everyone. Um, in the simplest terms, the fair use doctrine is a United States law allowing, quote unquote, limited use of copyrighted material without requiring permission from the rights holders, such as use for scholarship or review. Review being an example, a simple example would be the MuggleNet book. Taking a look at what would happen in book seven, it was strictly theories and analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's four categories, and MTV did a really great job of outlining this for all the dumb kids okay. who watch MTV. So we all understand it. Um, there's four categories, and it's not a thing where just one of them can be met and you make a decision. All four have to be met, or I think there can be a majority. There probably can be a majority. Um, it's, it's, if it's up to the judge to decide anyway, then he could think that one of these four potentially is more important than the rest and still make a really strange decision. But they're still expecting an appeal, I guess, depending on what 
you know, whatever happens. Yeah, so let's look in each one, and we'll figure out if the lexicon meets it. We we are going to be Judge Robert uh, Pattinson of Twilight. Patterson. Patterson. Oh, Patterson, sorry. <laughs> uh, I was kidding. I, was kidding. I made that joke. Andrew. I know you did. I know. <laughs> no but I didn't laughed. dwell on it. And we should also talk about what he said afterwards. Um, yes, we will, because that's very important, too. Um, number one, first category, the fair use doctrine. The purpose and character of the use in simple terms, this boils down to an opinion on whether the work is transformative, meaning does it add to the culture's appreciation and or knowledge of a work, or does it merely seek to supersede the original? This is a quote from MTV. So so what is this? What, what do you guys think? Does it meet this clause? I don't think so. I mean, frankly, to add to a culture's appreciation of a work, there has to be some original commentary. And thus far, there doesn't I'll, seem I'll to be I'll disprove that, right, Laura. Yeah. I'll disprove that for just – or I'll try to, just in, in, a, short, in a short little thing here. Um, for instance, what is the spell used to put out Lumos? Nox. Nox. Very good. You get ten points and a cookie. Yes. Um, but 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 what happens is certain spells like Nox, for instance, fly right by in 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 in, in, in when you're reading them inside a Harry Potter book. And I wonder. I mean, certain spells I know, certain spells that you know, when it comes down to the the really deep chapters of Book Five, certain spells do escape me. And so, for if I were to pick up this new Harry Potter lexicon and there was a list of all these spells and what they do, I might gain some serious appreciation out of JKR for coming up with all of it, especially if it explains where and why. You know, things like this, I mean, by where and why, I mean what it means in Latin, that sort of thing. And JKR likened it in, in court to uh, some, you know, little five-year-old with a pocket dictionary. But I, I don't think it's like that, okay? And if JKR wants to write, I mean, JKR's encyclopedia would explain something along what she thought about making Knox say for instance uh, using the same example uh, the spell to put out your light and and that would be far more important and far more interesting because we'd learn the author's insight into the book and and, and that's why everybody would still buy JK Rowling's book but that's not exactly the point I'm making. The point I'm making is I think that the book in and of itself just being a compendium even if it adds no content useful content if it if it rearranges things lists of spells would be helpful because they fly right by in the books how am i going to know necessarily what all the spells are if it's not compiled for me you know or who would want to you go on MuggleNet or you go on the harry potter lexicon where it's available for free and where the author doesn't have a problem but at the same time i've i think i've demonstrated how certain lists could improve appreciation of the series we're not thinking oh great you know we're not thinking this is wonderful for steve to do this as much as we're thinking it's wonderful for jkr to be this complex is well, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I think, though, that there should be a list available, and there is, like Laura mentioned, online. But at the same time, if somebody wants to go out and make a list, it should be the author. It, in publication, it should be the author. Nobody else should have the right to go out there and make a list of terms, you know, spells, characters, what have you, and give their origin unless it's that author. Because... You know, yes, I'm sure there's Latin behind a lot of these different spells and a lot of other things in the series, but maybe there's another reason why J.K. Rowling went out and named this spell this way or this character that way, and only she knows that, and it's only her right to be able to go out there and explain Would that. Would she? Well, I do want to. I do want to say this. Um, in an attempt at being completely objective here, I would have to say that. 
I mean, in a strict interpretation of the character of the youth part, I don't think they're meaning to supersede the original. I don't think that an encyclopedia could possibly supersede the original or the seven books. Um, I, I think that Eric actually did make a, a decent case that it could add to the culture's appreciation or knowledge or whatever else. So in this particular, it's one quarter of the clause, then I can understand, you know, how they could possibly, objectively speaking, you know, take that stance. However, there's another part of it that this, that this doesn't really illuminate, and that's the purpose of the use. What's the purpose of RDR and C. Vanderark putting this out? And I think that they're going to have to prove, and they're going to have a hard time doing this, that it's for something that isn't personal gain, that they're not, they're going to have to prove that they're doing this for, I suppose, more than just their own selfish means, because usually that's not such a big deal if it's your own work, clearly. But if it's not, if you're taking someone else's work, then they have to show that the purpose is sincere. So there's two parts to that. Thank you for illuminating that, Elisa. The whole purpose thing, I like that. Uh, The unfortunate thing is that trial has ended, so all the testimony... It has been given, so they will have already had to prove that their purpose was. Yeah, you're right. And right. It's now for the judge to decide. True that. True that. Homegirl. Point number two: the fair use doctrine. The nature, and again, this is quoting MTV. The nature of the copyrighted work is it fiction or nonfiction, published or unpublished. This guideline isn't particularly applicable in this case, as nobody argues, for instance, that Dumbledore, that Dumbledore or Harry Potter are in any sense real. So, I guess they just skipped that one. Well, I mean, there is a there is a little thing that that MTV. It's a good quote from J.K.R. It really is, and I I think it supports her opinion. But I guess this is an important point because, um, according to copyright.gov, it just states the nature. Number two is the nature of the copyrighted work. So, I is it a copyright issue? I guess maybe not. Actually, no, no, because that's point number three. I, I, I think I think with two, it has something to do also in this case with maybe canon, you know, who, who I, because like J.K.R. is the only one currently who holds rights to canon. Think, you know, series like Star Wars have, you know, fans writing books that can or cannot be considered canon. For instance, one of them killed off Chewbacca, and they had asked George Lucas to do it, but... I think in this case, um, and there's a little quote by Rowling. It says uh, on this MTV article, which you have to link to because it's beautiful and we're using it a lot, um, and we don't want to get sued. Uh, Rowling says uh, she – well, Rowling was uh, comparing a description she wrote of a Chinese fireball with one from the lexicon stating that it wasn't as if they were both describing giraffes. Her quote is, it's not as if we're describing something that exists outside my imagination. And – do you guys want to talk about that quote, for instance? Because I, I I like this point that JKR makes, but I'm wondering if the Chinese fireball at this point, the Chinese fireball doesn't actually exist outside of her imagination. I, I, I think it might because she's put it in books that have circulated so far around the world. So is it – yeah, but I think you're saying it exists because of how popular Harry Potter books are. I'm saying that J.K.R. will has and will always control the canon of a Chinese fireball. If she wanted to addendum to add on to her details of uh, the Chinese fireball, only she could do that. Steve could Steve could not say anything about the Chinese fireball that Joe Rowling hasn't said. Is, is, is what I'm saying. Unless he. But then that goes back to the idea of not having any original content. Well, if he were to say then that he thinks Chinese fireballs sound pretty, that actually is something that he could say that J.K.R. didn't say. 
Yeah, but then is that of any value to the culture? It is commentary. Well, it is commentary. Yeah, but it's it's bullshit. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's not really expensive commentary. <laughs> Think domestically. A, cu- a couple of the theories. Yeah, in the but are they copying other people's work? Ouch, Dobby. And hundred percent chance of living. <laughs> no way is he going to die. There's a difference between it being wrong and being complete bullshit. <laughs> Saying a Chinese fireball is pretty is not analysis. I'm it's sorry. not analysis. It, you're but, right. But if not. we can agree with him, if he can prove conclusively that that you know, based on JKR's he description, because he's never if he seen can, one, then maybe by by that use, people who read this book can agree with him and start having like you know, Chinese fireball appreciation societies, Facebook groups, things like that. All because well, of his little one-word statement that Chinese fireballs were pretty. I, I'm just trying to say: Is there anything in this number two clause that we can use? Because MTV has said no. I don't basically think so. we can't. So let's move on to point three, which is the amount of the portion used in relation to the copyrighted work as a whole. How much of the whole text appears in the work? Generally speaking, the less you use, the more likely that it's fair use. But of course, there are instances instances in which you can quote the the entirety of something and get away with it. So this is probably one of the bigger ones in the lexicon case because Warner Brothers showed on multiple occasions throughout the trial that Steve basically took what was in the book and simply rearranged it. Rearranged the what furniture did they Rearranged say? the furniture they kept saying, but yeah. in these cases more literally they just they moved the words around. Um yeah. and I'll try to look it up an example while we're talking because I know there is one floating around out there. Um, but what do you guys think about this one? I mean, this 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 definitely goes in favor of WB and JKR, right? Because it is, it's just, it's just. I would say very similarly. It's just um, information that's in the books. Steve, what's well, the lack of commentary? Lack of commentary. Again, playing yeah. it here. Um, there's and again, no original thought. That that's the problem with this particular thing, and yeah, I think this one probably does go more in the favor of J.K.R. and uh, Warner Brothers because, look, if you're taking a spell, for example, from the book and you're putting it into this Harry Potter lexicon, where's the original thought behind it? You know, you're not creating anything of your own and applying it to that, so there's really no instance where, you know, your own you know, thought is appearing in the book. I would agree. I would agree that this is certainly a point, as Micah and Andrew both said, that definitely would go most in favor of Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling. Um, it was brought to my attention earlier today, though, that there are certain things um, based on this article uh, where it says that uh, there are instances in which you can quote the entirety of something and get away with it. I, I've someone made a point. Someone very close to me made a point that if this book is uh, copyright infringing, then so are Cliff Notes, which want to take every se- which. By the way, Cliff Notes exist for almost every major work you can find. All Shakespeare, all Herman Vel, uh, you know, all all of these different authors, all Dickens, everything. Cliff Notes. And how exactly would you then go about? I mean, to be honest, I think that. Comparison kind of stunned me because although Steve isn't cliff noting, I mean, thank God, I think cliff noting in this case would be a lot more of a copyright infringement if he were to take actual words and sentences as opposed to doing lists of characters. I, I think that would be even more, you, you know, sort of. I, I think the difference, though, with that is that 
whoever's writing the Cliff's notes are doing their own interpretation of what things mean. And not just that, so, but there, yeah. sorry to cut you off, but there is analysis, and that's important to remember. There are analysis in these, and you can go online and look at free versions of these Cliff Notes books that are printed in Borders and Barnes and & Noble, and I'm looking right here for uh, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. There's Ooh. a little area called Character Analyses for uh, Huckleberry, Jim, and Tom Sawyer. Those things and then there's got critical essays. And... Ain't gonna lie. What? Those things got me through high school. Ain't gonna lie. Yeah, me too. Actually, I did lie. Yeah, so but... there's the difference, though. <laughs> me they provide too. analysis, whereas <laughs> this book does not. Mm. All the same, though, if this is a more easy reference than the whole seven Harry Potter books, is it bad? Is it. Yeah. And I don't maybe. know if I see Cliff Notes as reference material because it's not indexed. I mean, it's indexed by chapter, but you still have to go searching for what you want. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, as somebody, I mean, we all just admitted to using Cliff Notes all through high school, and there are many instances where if I was reading a book and I didn't feel like reading the whole thing and I turned to the Cliff Notes, I would still have to turn to the original source material to understand certain things. So... I guess I get that, but 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 then again, this isn't really taking away the fun, which is kind of how it goes with uh with with number four. But uh, just stepping on the toes of number four uh, here, I think that uh, the difference is that I mean, this book isn't exactly uh, going to take away that is with number one too. It isn't going to take away anything really. I mean, lists and things aren't going to prevent people from reading the Harry Potter books, which are canon. The is, society knows a, knows the difference between what is what is canon and what is sort of a, a reworking of canon. The, the whole real thing is, is this illegal to, 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 to do this? It, it really, uh, you know. What I was going to say to that is, and J.K. Rowling actually said this when she was testifying, just because she's been so successful doesn't diminish the fact that he would in some way be taking away from the series as a whole, whether that is through the books themselves or from the financial standpoint. Just because she has been able to do the things she's done and be a successful person does not mean that she is any less affected by this book being published. And I think looking at you know the financial side of it she's probably not she probably doesn't care about that as much what she cares about is not the market value what she cares about is the sort of the internal value of how this is affecting her and the fact that she's put in so much time and effort to this over the past 17 years or 20 years of her life and now she has to turn around and defend that fact against somebody who's out there just to make a quick buck well said. In an opinion, that was that was well said, and I think yeah. too, if if JKR is to say which she has said in this trial, hinted at it at least that you know this book being published will severely uh, scar her, like like something like that, and will you know delay the encyclopedia she was going to write and somehow affect the quality. I, as a Harry Potter fan, have to say that this book should not be published because I want everything I can get from the original author. You know, I mean, I have to say then that if this is, if that's what J.K.R. feels that she won't, you know, be interested in, uh, that it'll just be such a, you know, a horrible thing to come back for, I have to support her. I have to support J.K.R. But my other thing is that I feel like she will do this because she wants to support charity. If she doesn't do it, then she's, I mean, sorry, but she's screwing a charity. Because <laughs> she, she already said she's going to do this. And then if she turns around and doesn't, well, how would whatever charity... Feel. I think they'd understand. I mean, I guess it might be a little 
bit of being greedy for the charity, but I, I, don't, I think it would look bad if Joe turned around, especially since she's already said she would do this. Which okay, if if you said if you said you were going to do it, and then this trial made you not do it, fine. But if you said you do it, and then and you you're, you're going to do it for charity, and then you say no, I'm not going to do it. So the charity, whoever I choose, is not going to benefit. That looks kind of bad, don't you guys think? Well, she hadn't exactly put a timeline on how quickly it was oh, right, going to but be she finished said it and would. published. I mean, we didn't. I wasn't uh, expecting it for years. Yeah, and did she? Did she? Ex- did she actually? Um, point out a specific charity that she was hoping to donate to. But I still to, think it would already... look bad for Joe yeah. if all of a sudden, oh, forget it, I'm not doing this. Then all these tabloids are going to be like, Joe decides not to support charity. No, I, I think you bring up a valid point. And honestly, I mean, obviously no one wants to speak for her, but I, I could see her doing one regardless. But I could too. Yeah. I, but honestly, I completely see where she's coming from at this point, having her world be put up and just having her authority as the author questioned, I just I, I can understand her being emotional and upset about that. I would be. Fourth and final point. What is the effect of the use on potential market value? Will the publication of the Harry Potter lexicon take away from the sales of Harry Potter or stop anyone from seeing the movie, buying toys, or going to the soon-to-be-opened theme park? Almost certainly not, of course, but it's an avenue Rowling's lawyers are exploring in earnest. Yeah, that, that's that's an important important one for lawyer for Rolling's lawyers to defend because I feel like they could come up with a convincing case for affecting market value. However, I cannot believe that purchasing Steve's lexicon would prevent people from buying the J.K. Rowling line, unless the way I can always see the situation with the books and the films is that if you're a mother. And your ten-year-old son says, "Mommy, can I have this encyclopedia?" She's like, "Sure, son. You wanna you wanna read?" And then you get it. And then, say six months later, uh, although it probably would be a bigger difference. Well, chances are he's probably already read the books if he's asking for yeah. the encyclopedia. No, but-, but I'm saying if he wants one encyclopedia, it- then he gets yeah. it, and then he asks his parents, "Can I have this encyclopedia?" Then they'll say, "No, you already have one." I never, ever, 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 ever supported the term encyclopedia for JKR's book. I'm sorry, I have to say I never, ever did. Because it's not going to be, well, you're at right. least from everything I've heard, it's not going to be a compendium of all the things she's already written. It's going to be behind the scenes. It's going to be character development. It's going to be... She said there was a very large subplot, I think it was about Seamus Finnegan, that never got into the series because the books had to move a certain way. And that's the kind of stuff that's going to be in this book. I, I just... I hate hate the term encyclopedia as it refers to Joe's unwritten future work because I never, ever thought that's what it was going to be. So it's interesting now that Steve should come and do this encyclopedia. Well, but technically, if I mean, not to get too technical here, but the definition of an encyclopedia is a book or a set of books that give information on a subject or an aspect of a subject. Yeah, you're so right. So technically, I don't think it's a bad term. And you know what? Joe can't change the name now because... Calling it encyclopedia is what is um, making a big difference in this case because they keep saying, oh, it's going to compete with Joe's encyclopedia. So if Joe calls it the Harry Potter bonus info book, they're going to be like, oh, well, Steve's lexicon is not the bonus Scottish info. Book. So well, I, I mean, if they just change the cover and said this adds no new con- – this is about the first seven book series, you know – 
Joe has so much more to offer is what I'm saying. Joe has so much more to offer that it's almost like if she didn't have to spend all her time doing what Steve has done and compend all the spells and everything, she could actually be giving valuable insight to the characters and things. I, I just think the books would be two different things. I really do. And experts, going with number four here, experts are saying in this court trial that there is no way whatsoever that this book is going to affect anything J.K.R. does. The experts at Oxford have said that in this case. Well, yes, but my point, going back to what I said before, is that J.K.R. has explicitly stated that it's not about the money. I don't think anybody thinks that his book is going to affect the Harry Potter series as a whole. But that it's, automatically kind of gives him one out of four uh, of a win here as far as the fair use doctrine. However, it, you, it depends how you decide to look at this because from a financial standpoint, in the grand scheme of things, there is no way that his book is going to touch the Harry Potter series. However, just because J.K. Rowling, and I said this before, is so successful does not mean that that precludes her from being affected even if it's a small financial sum. You know, you can't say just because she is worth this amount of money and has made this amount of money off the series, then that automatically awards this category to Steve Vanderark because you know that that amount of money that he makes off of it is not going to have a huge impact. It, it It's just not being fair on her side of it. You know, do you know what I'm saying? I don't think, um, because wait, could you, re- okay. I'm saying, okay. JK Rowling has made this large sum of money clearly off the Harry Potter series and from the movies and everything else that's gone along with it. And we're in agreement that Steve's book, in the grand scheme of things, is not going to take away that much money or be a competitor to this stuff. However, you can't say that because just because – the reason why we're saying this is because this series, has this franchise has made so much money. If it hadn't, if she was a smaller time author, this would be a bigger issue because the encyclopedia maybe would have the chance to you know overtake it or you know hurt her financially but it it just seems to me it's unfair to say because she makes x amount of money yeah, yeah, that anybody can do anything with her working. Exactly, with yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I totally see that. And I mean, I, I just want to say to the listeners mm-hmm. here who are out there listening to this, go back and forth, and people were probably really pissed off at me, really angry with me. Um, I, You know, I just want to say that I really, you know, I wanted to – I just want to present the facts because there are the people who are on both sides who aren't really – informed and i think that it's important i mean you know to go through these four different things and really draw conclusions out of it because that's what we, that's what we should do it's it's what it's who and what mugglecast is you know and i i really do think that what we're doing is is is, is justified i'm maybe i'm just saving myself for some really mad emails jk but. rowling even issued a statement saying um i get is this what you were referring to micah um she said do i have fewer rights because many people read my books Exactly. Yeah. And and does she? I don't I That's don't really exactly think. the quote that I was referring so to. Necessarily. And she's right, though. I mean, if you think about it. No, I didn't say it, but that's that's the one that I was actually looking for it. Um, 
So I'm glad you found it. But yeah, I mean, how can you disagree with that? I know, but there's like 40 posts about the trial. I felt all important because J.K. Rowling's lawyers emailed that to me. I was like, oh, cool. So I posted it. J.K. Rowling's lawyers emailed that to you? Yeah. Wow. I was like, hey, what's your name? ASL, LOL. The future Mrs. Sims, Dale Sandali. <laughs> you took that too far. And like, well, well, hold on. So, so where do we stand on this? If if we're Judge Patterson, we're just as confused as he is. Well, basically, okay. So move on. No, no. Yeah. People can say what they think. I mean, the yeah, the ahead. law is extremely vague, and they had you know it's split up into four parts, but so much of the wording just it it takes from each other. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we were talking about how there was stuff from the second one, the nature of the copyrighted work that applied to the first one. And so you're just looking at this jumble of a law and it's really, really hard to decide. But honestly, taking what we have and looking at it from a principled point of view, I think that Joe and Warner brothers should win. Absolutely. And I know that's biased, but I just can't see how it could, go any other way or how anyone could rule it any other way because it's simply not Steve Vanderark's work it's hers yeah I I agree with that um, and I think you know you spend so much of your life working on something like this and you know to have somebody that you put a great deal of trust in and, and have conversed with and you know certainly have supported in their fan site and to have them turn around and to to take it to this extreme to to make you you know get up out of uh, you know your, your home and, and fly you know across the Atlantic Ocean to to spend a week in New York City debating this and clearly the effect has gone far beyond this I mean it, it's really impacted the way, her life and the work that she's been trying to do on the encyclopedia over the last couple of months she stated that in the trial and it's affecting her will to to want to continue on should RDR and and Steve win this case. So, I mean, I really think that that somebody who you thought was so devoted to you to to turn around and and to put you through this is, you know, is a little bit ridiculous. I mean, that's more of a, you know, a personal standpoint than a legal standpoint, but I think even the law here tends to side with Joe. I think so too, and not just because of um, this particular clause. And I'm really upset that I can't find it now. I had it written down, but um, I'll post it to the forums perhaps later. But I found a, a, a court case that was really similar in nature to this that did take place in New York State. And of course, I mean, just if, if anyone didn't know, the whole premise of common law is based off of setting precedents. So judges will take precedents set by other court cases, and they are by legally bound to uh, base their judgment off of that. So it's not even just this clause that we've been discussing. It's other cases in the past are going to have a huge effect on this. And the case that I've found, and I'm definitely going to have to post this, but the case that I found favored the author. And it took place in New York State, so you can't even make the, you know, the whole, um, you can't even make the whole uh, federalism argument that will happen in different states, there's different laws. No, this was in New York. So I think that um, his, Patterson's going to have to really pay attention to that and I think between the two 
Um, that plus the fact that there's the whole issue of preponderance, and preponderance is basically just it's the uh, sort of the quality over the quantity. So I think that even if it doesn't meet all four of these exact issues, uh, if it even if it only just meets one, but it sides with J.K. Rowling to a greater extent, that that's going to that's going to take precedence. So I think I don't really see honestly any legal way that this could work out for RDR or Steve Vander Ark, and if it does, I'd be really surprised. I think the um. My opinion on this is that I think the uh, regarding the fair use law being so vague, I really like the idea. I mean, it was only it's it's only been a law for about thirty years, and I think it was initially. I mean, it it, it seems the way it's so dependent on itself and has the four clauses that somewhat overlap. It's supposed to be. In favor of I, – I think the law itself is supposed to be in favor of the little guy as opposed to the bigger corporation. I mean a lot of American laws kind of do that, They, but they leave an ambiguity obviously. And I, I think that in this case, um, you know, because of how much it's affecting JKR and that sort of thing, that it, it's really – um, the right thing, but but I think initially it's 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 trying to protect the little guy from the big, mean, scary, bully corporate people. But in this case, again, I'll say this: I think you know JKR is very emotionally impacted by this. I think that I mean I, I as I said, as a Harry Potter fan, who cannot seriously? I mean, who cannot understand exactly how Joe feels and be worried that if Steve wins, that it will cause such issue? Yeah, you. You open the floodgates. That's and I mean, I guess we could talk about uh, that you know, was what too. kind of impact yeah. it it'll have. You know, in in you know, at the end of this. But I just wanted to mention this this comment that the judge made because it goes to what you were saying, Eric. Kind of, you know, the little guy on one side and the large company on the other. But it, his point was, and his exact quote that he made was, "I'm concerned that this case is more lawyer driven than it is client driven." Yeah. Um, the fair use people are on one side and a large company is on the other side. The parties ought to see if there's not a way to work this out because there are strong issues in this case and it could come out one way or the other. The fair use doctrine I, is I not clear. I think after discussing this, yeah, I think after discussing this, we see that there's really – as far as fair use goes, is vague and it's really – I mean, like the judge said, I think we see a little bit more now why it's such a kind of up-in-the-air thing because you know, he doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. If they can settle – you know, it, it's really not up to the judge. I mean, he's under a lot of pressure. And I don't. I don't think he's folding under pressure. But I think a settlement would be best for everyone. I think there needs to be, like, I mean, what I asked: Why don't? Why doesn't Steve cut the book, trim it, do something that's legal? Or why hasn't there been any kind of uh, discussion back and forth on what Steve can do? That sort of thing. I mean, I, I think it is largely because of RDR and their. I don't want to say RDR's courage. <laughs> or RDR's sorry st- stubbornness uh, in the issue, I think, has propelled a lot of this, as we talked about before. But you know, the whole question is then uh, sort of just what we were talking about, as far as you know, settling is mm. the best well, kind of thing. Let's also remember that part of it was settled the um, day after the judge called for some sort of settlement. Um, lawyers for J.K. Rowling, W.B. and RDR told the judge the following morning that they reached a settlement on the false advertising and deceptive trade practices, um, and then they were hoping to settle on the trademark infringement and unfair competition claims. Right. And the first one means that um, neither J.K. Rowling's name nor her quote endorsing the online version of Steve Vander Ark's lexicon would appear on the cover of the book. Which I think 
And now I'm thinking, if they settle on that, isn't WB basically saying, go for it? You just can't publish the... Or is it, if the judge... It must be, if the judge... No, it, the, the thing that's still such um, an issue is the copyright infringement. That, which is what you know was part of that whole thing. That's the big point that still has yeah. to be solved. Yeah, they settled like the smallest thing possible. <laughs> so basically, Joe's name cannot be on the the lexicon book, which and, would hurt sales. I think. I don't right. know. That would be a big selling point for me. Yeah, well, I noticed that too. I was looking at the uh, I was looking at the book cover, and does it say anywhere that you know? This is not endorsed by J.K. Rowling. I mean, I think it was. It would only be clear, you know. I mean, if you're not even going to have that on the cover, of course you're out to get. You know, that goes with the purpose thing. If the book didn't even have a not endorsed by J.K. Rowling thing on it, then of course it seems that they were out to get, <laughs> you know, a quick buck. I think it would. It's the thing with RDR. They don't seem to be ever willing to cooperate at all. They were just really bold and uh, And I think that's going to count against them, and especially Steve. I think Steve, uh, if he loses his case, I'm going to blame it largely on the RDR books and not even on his uh, what could be considered malicious intent. I think RDR has gotten him into a lot of trouble with this, and I right. think uh, he's going to have to suffer for that. I feel bad for the guy. And I'm, and I'm, looking, him, I'm looking on the site um... – to see where there's the quote, and I guess it's under the fan side award that they have. Um, so I guess that quote was going to be published. Yeah, I mean, the well, book. the quote I, I remember it talks about uh, the Harry Potter lexicon being her natural home, and she's used it a couple times when she's in a, a cafe because it's handy. We've used it. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying yeah. like this is a reason for <laughs> the trial to go anyway, but we've used it. You know, when when I'm looking forward to next week to see what we're going to talk about chapter by chapter, I go on the Lexicon to get the little summary. Be like, oh, okay. This is now, granted, I could just be going on the Muggle Encyclopedia, which is the most legal Harry Potter encyclopedia online right now. But um, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> okay, I I think I found this. Uh, well, I found a uh, case that was referring to. It's Harper and Row Publishers Inc. versus Nation Enterprises, and um, well, basically, uh, so it was really really similar to what's happening here. Um, Harper and Row Publishers Inc. had sued Nation Enterprises for writing an article actually that was going to appear um, in Time Magazine, but Time Magazine opted not to print it once they discovered that the suit was being taken against Nation Enterprises. Um, and essentially, the district court ruled in favor of Harper and Row Publishers, saying that um, it was not a fair use, that they had used too much material um, without seeking uh, the publisher's uh uh, direct permission. But then, interestingly enough, the Court of Appeals reversed the decision, saying that because Nation Enterprises was only using excerpts of the uh, of the publishing company's work, that they it was a fair use, and therefore that they could publish it. But I'm reading um, one of the concurring opinions here, and it specifically says, if they had used more than just excerpts, then it would have definitely been a violation of fair use. And this was ultimately taken to federal courts, but it began in New York State. So I think um, cases such as that are going to have yeah, a pretty major effect. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I hope Judge uh, Robertson's been looking at this. Patterson. Patterson. I'm sorry, sure Patterson. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure he has. I mean, and I think that just proves that a lot of it is going to have to do with um, just how much that they use and just the quantity of it, probably. 
Yeah, and if it can be considered for scholarly review, or if it's sloppy and lazy. Right. No, that too, yeah, yeah. Let's wrap it up for now. I was just going to add that this could probably go through a a serious round of appeals um, and eventually end up at the Supreme Court. I know, Andrew, you mentioned that before. Um, So, you know, as Elisa said, um, with that other case she was talking about, clearly, you know, if RDR were to lose this case, I'm sure they would take it to the next level. And, uh, you know, I'm just uh, kind of, I guess, a good note to end on would be, you know, what do you guys think the impact is going to be, regardless of the outcome, sort of moving forward within the fandom? I I think people will want to move on, like I do right now with this discussion. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like, I just feel like people are going to be so done with this. Well, um, well, maybe, but we haven't, we hadn't covered it before this, so if we're going to do it, you know. Right, right. No, this has been a very good discussion. Don't get me wrong. Well, it's an important question, though, I mean, especially when you look at, at you know the potential to create that slippery slope or you look at the the sort of floodgates that can open yeah well let's go around real quick uh start with laura oh goodness i think we kind of outlined some of the possible outcomes towards the beginning of the episode but i think and this is something that kind of saddens me i feel like regardless of the outcome we're looking at the possibility of joe maybe being more cautious with the way she approaches fan sites. And I think that's a really very sad reality. I don't want her to have to feel like she can't grant some site a fan award because then that might give the, you know, the creator the initiative to go out and do something like this. However, I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic that if this trial is completed successfully on Joe's part, um, that it won't really matter because then this sort of thing really couldn't happen again. Cause I just feel like if someone tried to pull something like this after what all has happened with Steve Vander Ark, it just would fall apart. It wouldn't go to trial. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping like Andrew said that we kind of all move on from it, but I think that there will be some hesitance in the future. Elisa. It's total ESP, Laura. She just stole the words right from my mouth. <laughs> That's it. I agree. Amen. That's it. It's <laughs> <laughs> an easy way to get out. Um, of it. <laughs> I'm gonna say similar. I remember. Uh, yeah, really. I remember. Uh, well, there's a show now on uh, Lewis Black's Root of All Evil. Do you guys watch that show on Comedy? Yeah, terrible show. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's it is. But uh, they they do a thing at the end. Ripple of evil. You know what happens if everything goes you know unchecked and everything. And I I think Laura and Elisa by, by default um, are are you know correct. I'm worried that no matter what, JKR is going to be cautious and Warner Brothers is going to be really tense and the freedom. I mean, I'm not saying it's a reason not to have done this case because I I think it had to have happened sooner or later. I really do, considering all the years of writing Harry Potter are behind us and all the years of speculating and reading Harry Potter are about 500 years ahead of us. You you know, I mean, I, I always thought it would happen and it had to have happened, but I'm worried. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm worried too. Is, is, is how I feel. But I, I think it was something that had to happen, and we'll, we'll see how Joe handles it. I, I think how Joe handles the future, regardless of the outcome, is going to be something that a lot of people will look up to her for and continuously sort of, uh, you know, talk about her uh, regarding in either a positive or a negative light. Mike Tan, I agree with the points that have been made by by Laura. And Eric, since Elisa just deferred to to Laura, but um, oh no, seriously, do it because um, Elisa and I have an interchangeable brain the, thing going the, on that, here. That'd be a, 
We're the same person. We're the same person. That. Wow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's... <laughs> you know what? That should be the title. It's hot. <laughs> Interchangeable brains. That's hot. No, we've said it. Uh, you open the floodgates, essentially, if RDR wins... And, uh, you know, anything can then be taken. And, you know, Joe is looking at it from the standpoint of her work could be extremely compromised if something like this uh, gets published. And then, uh, you know, and I think that, you know, it should be in favor of Joe. I think that's pretty been pretty clear throughout the course of this whole show. All right. Well, I think that does conclude our discussion this week for um, for uh, the court. Thing, whatever the hell we've been talking about. So we move on the chapter by chapter. <laughs> yeah, so I was literally like, no, not chapter by chapter. <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna have a fun segment uh, before we get out of here for today. Make the m- 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 music connection. Well, are you ready for your first one? I was born ready. Uh, okay, let's go. Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves by Cher. These are Eric's choices this week, by the way. This is not in my personal library collection. (laughs) Yeah, did you just get that I am I sent you, I think? Yes, I did. (laughs) Why? What did it say? Oh, you know, it's a pretty popular acronym on the internet, you know. (laughs) WTF. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what's it called again? (laughs) Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. Well, I think you've got a lot of those kinds of people. That we see in the Harry Potter books. I mean, we've got, I don't know about gypsies so much, but I mean, there are certainly a couple of characters in the books who's, um... Where would you find them? What do you mean, where would I find them? Like, an example like, of the location. I see where you're well, saying, I agree n- with you. No, 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 what I mean is that there are c- certainly thieves within this. I mean, you look at Mundungus Fletcher, who is clearly a thief. Um, as for tramps, I mean, there's Pansy Parkinson... <laughs> Um, not that kind of tramp. Not that kind of tramp, We're talking about women in rags, the kind you'd find in Nocturne Alley. Okay, well, thank you, Eric. For Again, Pansy Parkinson. <laughs> didn't didn't uh, Voldemort um, use a, a tramp yes, for one of his horcruxes? Uh, <laughs> Ow. Wow. All right, Elisa, your turn. All right, let's go for it. Those fingers <laughs> in my hair that sly come hear the stare strips my conscience bare its witchcraft and I've got Please no tell me this is Frank Sinatra. <laughs> of course. Of course. Awesome. Frank Sinatra, witchcraft. Make the connection, Lisa. Oh god. Um <laughs> I don't even know where to begin on that. Was it was it too difficult? Should I give you uh, "Pretty Fly for a White Guy" by Offspring? That's my backup. Oh, please don't. Let's not. <laughs> let's let's not. Let's not. Uh, you know. Let's not molest my eardrums today with with that nonsense. Um, <laughs> Frank Sinatra. 
God, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to connect it to the court case. Um, the those fingers in my hair. I don't see. I don't. I don't really particularly. It doesn't have to be to the court. No, case. I know, but that's the first thing I thought of, honestly, because I don't particularly. Oh. I don't particularly care for. Uh, you know Frank Sinatra. I know that may be a tragedy, but I don't really care for him. So I'm gonna go with the sound of uh, it's the sound of Steve Vanderark's tears when he, <laughs> okay. when he loses when he loses. Strangely, I like that. Will be that will be the theme music to him walking out of, of the court. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I must say oh I like God. the comparison. Kind of. <laughs> Poor Steve. He's never coming on this show. <laughs> all right, all right. Already yours, tears. Okay. No, 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 you, no. no, no. no that's no, fine. No. That's no, fine. fine. All right, Eric, here's your connection. Okay, Eric. John Mayer. I don't know the name of the song. Uh, Wait on yeah, the world, I guess to the world change. But um, well, it came from my iTunes, so I should know. But uh, the uh, I would set this around the time of uh, you know, book five. Uh, there are certain members. Uh, I'm going to say the unsung sort of school members who weren't directly involved with Harry, but who knew that there was some kind of shady stuff going on with the government. You know, people who suspected it, like Neville's grand. You know, she was never involved, but she was waiting on the world to change. And I, I'm, but I'm going to take it down to the adolescence, you know, because one of the lyrics is, you know, me and all my friends, you know, they say we stand for nothing, that sort of thing. So I'm going to I'm going to say the unsung heroes of of uh, sorry Dumbledore's army, for instance. Let's let's, let's just do that. But uh, good choice, Micah. You're going to like this one. Yo yo. To crash Valium would have helped that fish. Said he be take a walk on the wild side. I said, hey, honey, take a walk on the wild side. And the colored girls say, do, 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 I would say maybe Aberforth talking to his oh, goat. God, you, you, you <laughs> every episode, you have to have a reference. Yeah, it had to be here, dude. What if we didn't do make the music connection? <laughs> what, what, like at the sign-off, would you be like, I like goats, Mike Tannenbaum? No, I don't like goats. There are people on the fan forums running Aberforth Micah goats. goat fan fiction. So, I mean... <laughs> are there really? Yes! Wow. People need, yo, guys, go see a movie or something. <laughs> Micah speaks out to the fanfic shippers. <laughs> All right, good. My turn. What the hell is this? It's <laughs> the Cheers theme song. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. <laughs> I love just picturing these songs in movies. 
So it's the Cheers theme song. Yeah. Okay. It is, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, how about this? Uh, the Leaky Cauldron. They're, the trio's walking in, and then just all of a sudden you hear this bit right here. <laughs> and you see them all waving to everyone. Hey, how you all doing? No, that's, that's good. The yeah, Tom, right Tom the bartender, seems to know everyone's name. All right. Well, um, we skipped the announcements in the beginning of the show, but um, just two announcements we wanted to make this week. Uh, first of all, thank you to everyone who's been voting for us on Podcast Alley. We've been uh, doing great. I think we're still number one, right? So uh, thank you to everyone who's been voting for us there. Are we number one? I'm loading it real quick. Yeah, we're number one. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks to everyone who's been voting. Uh, don't forget, I mean, just because it's MuggleCast April doesn't mean you don't have to vote in MuggleCast May. So <laughs> see you there. Um, also, it's somebody's birthday this week. birthday april 23rd oh, happy birthday eric god thank you guys so much i'm i'm leaving my teens behind i couldn't think of a better way to do it than with that song who did that Andrew? that's oh that's my voice i'm singing oh thank you so much that's seriously you're welcome it sounds, sounds more, more like, like ryan sims see isn't that nice? andrew sims <laughs> wasn't that well, cute? remember ryan does... <laughs> um that was just for you eric i composed it all by myself thank you thank you so much uh, okay, well, this has been a very filled show, a very good show. Your mercy. But I think it's time to wrap up the show. Laura, if people want to contact us via the P.O. Box, how do they do that? Send stuff, not pickles, to P.O. Box 3151, coming Georgia 30028. You can also call the MuggleCast hotline to leave your voicemail, question, comments, or concerns. If you're in the United States, you can dial one two one eight twenty magic If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-814-0677. And if you're in Australia, you can dial 02-8003-5668. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast. No matter how you call us, just remember to keep your message under 60 seconds and eliminate as much background noise as possible, please. We also have a handy feedback form on MuggleCast.com to contact any one of us, or you can just use our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. And don't forget to visit MuggleCast.com for a variety of contact links, including uh, community outlets, MySpace, fa- Facebook, YouTube, Frapper, LastFM, the fan listing in the forums, digtheshowatdig.com, and as we said, vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley. It's been a great show, guys. Uh, Elisa, thanks for coming back on the show. I forgot no to problem. say that. No problem. Thanks for having me. No Great problem. insight. Seriously. Oh, thank you guys. Thanks for having me again. But I have to admit, I think your Make the Music Connection was the best of everything. <laughs> you mean, like the goat? <laughs> no, the sound of the tears. <laughs> but she also, that was after she said, spent 30 seconds saying she didn't know or like Frank Sinatra. Um. Well, apologies to J.K. Rowling, but we are out of time this week. I'm Andrew Sims. <laughs> I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Mike Tannenbaum. And I'm Elisa Montfort. Be civilized in your responses that you send in, please. We'll see everyone next week for episode 143. Bye-bye. Bye. Court is adjourned.